1: The Province Force Podcast.
0: Welcome to the White Towel Canuck Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by Canuck beat writer Patrick Johnson. Patrick, things in Canuck world. Rosier? Maybe? Not, not so much as a few days ago, but...
1: Yeah, it's tough to say. I, I, I'd say Rosier. I mean, in general, this is a, a team that has, I think, surprised most of us through, through well, it'll be 20 games... Uh, after twenty games yeah through yeah. through the first twenty games, and uh yeah, I mean obviously uh have had a, a a tough last few games on the road trip, technically lost three in a row to them in in regulation, one in a shootout um yeah, no, but I'd say things are pretty rosy they're they're feeling good it's been it's been quite the slog, you know the second six game road trip of of the season already and coming home to play a couple of games before they go back out on the road for another three. Um I, I think this is a team that realistically can't wait for, for December to roll around because of the fact they've been on the road so much uh, and, and are feeling, you know, I'm sure uh the, the, the sort of tiredness that accumulates by getting on the plane every other night and having a new place and a new hotel and, Uh, you know, you want to build some routine and I'm sure they'll be happy to come home.
0: So, uh, yeah, when the schedule comes out and we all look at the schedule and we, oh, look, here's opening night. When do the Leafs come to town? When do the Habs come to town? Oh, these are the big road trips. But I didn't see a lot of, Oh man, the Canucks are in trouble off the start because they have so many early road games. Yet now that seems to be the story.
1: Well, I'd say you know I'm I'm actually going to kind of the spin. They've actually done pretty well, all things considered. That and they've most
0: got, road games of any team. So yeah, far. most road games of any team so
1: far. And and after next week's road trip, will have played 17 games on the road. Uh, you know, so half of the of the four, almost half of the 41 total that they play on the road. You look at the way the the schedule runs. Actually, uh, after New Year's, they're on a, a trip, another six gamer around New Year's, but once they come home from that, it's, you know, they're, they're at home for most of the second half of the season. And, uh, you know, for a team that, you know, that I think in of us not a lot of expectation had on them coming into the season. I think people are still being reasonable. I, you know, I hear from them, from, from fans who are all saying, you know what, we're just, this is kind of gravy. They're enjoying the fact that this is an interesting team to watch. Uh, they're not thinking about the playoffs. And um yeah no I I think it's a team that 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 on the whole people are pretty pleased with they see some development they see some young guys obviously there's been challenges with injuries uh, but yeah it's it's been a it's been a decent start to the year and I I think when we look at that schedule I mean that, like you said just to get back to the question which was that you know why didn't we talk more about this and I, I think we did but I think we were so focused on the fact that you know I think the expectation was that this this was not going to be a terribly entertaining team that last year's team yeah the Sudines. Had done well. Besser had done well. You know, there were there were bright moments last year, but on the whole, it was a team that didn't score enough, that gave up too many goals, that only had what seventy three points. Um I think we were more focused on that. I think just the, the sort of the totality of it, of the challenge of being better than a team that in the end just wasn't good enough last year. So I, I think, yeah, the, the 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 schedule is a is a is part of the story without a doubt. But they're almost through the tough part now, so it's almost like. You know, okay, great. I cool. mean, they survived. It's it's a thing, but...
0: Well, uh, and plus there's that theory that early road trips, long early road trips can can bring a team closer together and yeah. give them some chemistry, which yeah. they certainly seem to have got. I mean, you've yeah. been around the team. Yeah. Did these, and I know it's a lot younger, but does this look like a team that's having fun you? Is there... I guess there was some fear that the Sedins leaving might create a bit of a leadership yeah. void, but that does not seem to have happened.
1: You know, I think one of the things the team was conscious of was the need to have a... A cohesive sense of self, which is true of any team, and you you mentioned the Sedin's leaving. The Sedin's clearly were the the center of how that team understood itself, Um, and and so then them leaving, there was a void. Uh, There was an you know obviously expectation and uh, from some of the younger players internally. You look at a guy like Bo Horvat, who you know I think a lot of people figure one day will be named the captain captain in the sense that he's you know kind of most willing to be the lead spokesman um there 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 clearly is a strong uh, you know internal leadership group there's always going to be that in a team uh, but i think i think more than anything the Sidines leaving has like i said it's sort of forced it's forced younger players to understand themselves a bit better. The, the team really points as well to the likes of adding a guy like Jay Beagle, adding a guy like Antoine Roussel, adding a guy like Tim Schaller, because, you know, these are guys who quote unquote know how to win, which, you know, whatever that means. Um, I, I think what it is about though is it is about having a, a, a group of players that enjoy being with each other. You know, none of this stuff adds up necessarily to anything, but, um, if you're going to deal with a season that's potentially going to be challenging, you know, if you go into it, cause they don't go in, they didn't go into the season saying, we're going to make the playoffs. Travis Green was quite clear with that right off the bat. He said, guys, we're not a Stanley Cup contender. We all know that. Um, he didn't say we're not trying for the playoffs. Of course they're trying for the playoffs, but they didn't want to even set that as a bar. They just want to make sure that they're playing, they're playing hard, they're playing well and, and that they're enjoying what they're doing. And, and I think, you know, a guy like Roussel, we've written a bit about, Roussel to me is one of those players who he really, Really makes a difference in a room. I think you know. I mean, winning obviously helps, and the and t- the fact that Canucks have won half of their games makes a big difference. Um, but a guy like Roussel, who is, he his personality, I, I it, it's one of those ones that I think we're starting to try to convey that more because it's 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 bright. Like this is a guy that really loves playing hockey. He loves talking hockey. He really seems to enjoy talking to the media. He's very open. He's loose. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy that. Having him around does take the pressure off some of the other younger players. A guy like Horvat, who, you know, Horvat knows is part of his job is to talk to the media. But, you know, a guy like Pedersen, who's still adjusting to talking to the media. A guy like Besser, who, you know, I think his he'd rather let his play do do the talking than talk more than he has to. But who himself is talking more. You know, it allows, it gives other options. Because there's not a lot, you know, there are guys in the room who aren't instinctual talkers. A guy like Edler who's been around a long time. A guy like Tanev who's been around a long time. Their, their preference, you know, they'll answer questions. They don't tell
0: you to go away. They don't give you anything. <laughs>
1: but, you know, the, it's not their instinct, right? Yeah. And it's not their preference. And and so that that has been part of the story too, I think, in terms of the culture question. Is that it is just, it is a, it is a group that seems to enjoy itself and seems to enjoy each other. Um, you know, <laughs> I suppose we're still trying to figure out what exactly was going on with the Whitecaps this year, but I would say, given what we was has been suggested about how that club was feeling about each other, uh, this is very much the opposite. This is a team that does enjoy spending time each other. And as you said, yeah, you go on a long road trip, you're kind of forced together. You're forced to spend some time together. And of course, you know, famously there was this ban on video games on the road. You know.
0: Are you saying the Fortnite ban has helped them? Patrick?
1: Well, but, but that, I think that was what their thinking was internally anyway. They're like, look and listen. We're going to be away. We're, we should spend some time hanging out. Listen, You see it. the headline yeah. on this podcast yeah. now. Reason behind Canucks success, yeah. Fortnite ban. Fortnite ban, which, um, you know, I mean, in the end, I'm sure guys were playing on their phones anyway, as yeah, I pointed yeah, yeah. out. But, no, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it is a team that, that without a doubt, I mean, like I said, winning helps. I, I found myself after that first road trip, which I think they went, what, three and three. And they beat the penguins and they beat the lightning sitting there thinking, man, what would this road trip have been like if they'd only won once? You know, how much would the mood be differently? And would any of this kind of chatter matter? And the fact that they got to spend time together and that, this, that and the other, you know, it is one of those ones. They built, they built some success. Some of it, you know, those, some of those wins basically were earned. They won. They, they deserve. You know the the lightning one was maybe a bit of luck. You know, a bit of a big performance from Nielsen, but they they were in it. There's two. There's two games,
0: both at home, the Pens and the and the Capitals, where they just no they look like a they weren't up to the task, and that's fine. Those are the last two Stanley Cup champions. But in that vein, though, you say you know no one thinks they're Stanley Cup contenders. Maybe you look at what Vegas did last year. Um. Yeah. I mean, nobody. Th- no. Great example because nobody thought they were
1: Stanley contender. No one. When they no, were one in thought, n-
0: no one thought that the Canucks would be at the top of the Pacific yet. Here right. they are. But the the point on that is, and I hate to try and generalize and say the fan psyche because sometimes you're guilty of reading some of the same. um I guess I'm not going to use a derogatory term, but some of the same takes on uh social media and assume that that's how Canuck fans feel. Right. But last year there was a feeling that. Uh, whether you want to call it tanking or what have you, Besser scores a hat-trick, the Canucks lose, better chance in the draft lottery, right. everyone's happy. That's what people wanted. They yeah. wanted the excitement yeah. of the kids scoring. Yeah. They they knew that they had a brighter future, but let's get more elite young talent in here. I get the sense that that worm's turned a little bit, Patrick. I, I kind of get this feeling now that people aren't all in on making the playoffs, but they're happy to see the team win. They're happy to see the team progress. They're not, yeah. yeah. I, the Jack
1: Hughes talk certainly is... Left the building, I would say, because I mean, be, you know, going into the season, I think I don't know if anybody said they were going to be the worst team in the league. Because I think everyone thought, say, the Ottawa Senators were going to be the worst team in the league, and even Ottawa hasn't been the worst team in the league. Um, no, the LA Kings
0: have, right? I, it, I mean, that's the surprise on the other end. There's yeah, some good teams that yeah. and it,
1: people thought would be bad yeah. good that they're not. And it, it, just to, it, as a side note on that, I mean, it is a reminder of you know that that for the most part. Most NHL teams are not on the extremes. They're mostly in the middle. There's a few teams that are super elite, and there's a few teams that are really bad, and then there's a whole bunch of teams that are kind of you don't know. You don't necessarily know. And some of it some of it comes down to luck, and some of it comes down to preparation, and some of it comes down to just get um, getting a little too old or whatever. But uh, no, in terms of the the mentality, yeah, I I, th- I totally think that's the case. I think people are just saying, listen, I think they're just happy that they're watching a team that's entertaining, uh, the Pedersen effect. You know, it's going to be interesting because, you know, ticket sales is something you and I have talked about for a long time. And, you know, even the last couple of games before they went on the road trip, you know, there were still empty seats in the lower bowl and those are expensive tickets. And that's a value question from, from people because a lot of those tickets are obviously held by, you know, you know, their corporate tickets or whatever, but they're tickets that are, end up getting, being made available on the secondary market. And, you know, clearly there isn't yet. That connection, I would say, in terms of actually going to see Pedersen live. And maybe, maybe that's a shift in, in how people actually interact with sports, that people are more happy to watch him at home. You get the replays, so on and so forth. But I would say that the Pedersen effect, the more we see him at home, I think the more that's going to have an influence on the fans because he really is worth the price of admission. He's so exciting. And the way he shapes the rest of the team around him, We've seen it. You know, I mean, Bo Horvat is having a really interesting year. I mean, he's being asked to do a lot. Um, you know, the plan was not for him to be having to do too much defensively. Not too, They basically weren't going to have him as a penalty killer. Now they've lost their penalty killers. They're not having to use him as much on the penalty kill, although they do have him out there to take faceoffs. But, you know, you start seeing Horvat in his role, a bit more of a two-way guy uh, who's able to kind of play as that, you know, secondary scoring threat. As Pedersen draws more and more of the other team's attention, um, a guy like Besser, who you know I, I would say hasn't had the best start to the season, is currently dealing with an injury. Uh, but when he comes back, whether he plays with Pedersen, he plays with Horvat. I mean, that's a question. That's a dilemma. The Canucks haven't really had. I mean, sure they had the Sedin's, and the Sedin's brought their own dynamic to the story. But the way that this is this is very much the new era. And I think fans fans are reacting well to that. And like I said, again, as it works for team culture, it works the same for fans. Winning
0: helps a lot. Okay, so I just want to park the Horvath conversation sure. uh, yeah. until a little bit later because I want to run through some players. But I want to go back to mm-hmm. Petterson as you were talking about. Last home game, famously, you know, you had against Colorado right. and was five points. I, I, I believe so, yeah. It but, was, yeah, it was. But, but that, you know, that did get people excited. <laughs> you know, and as you look at them, they come back now from this road trip. You've got an, an av- basically an early evening game against the Habs. And yeah. then you got Winnipeg, who, you know, were so good last yes. year and have a big following here. So yeah. you've got two games where you're going to have a lot of interest anyway. Mm-hmm. But that aspect of go- coming to see the opposing team, I think, Patterson is a guy who's changing that conversation yes. for this team now. Last three games, you talked about three losses, one in a shootout. Um, and yeah, he just has to remind a... everybody, we're recording before the wild yeah, game. Yeah, before the wild game, so whatever. But we're speaking generally. Yeah. But, you know, you would call this maybe not a slump, but he's had a little bit of a mini yeah. blip here yeah. compared to the pace he was at where it just looked like the kid was going to score every game. Yeah. What do you put that down to just – the life of an NHL rookie, yeah. the ups and downs. Do you, do, has he looked tired to you? I is it team's giving him more attention? I think. I
1: think. I think it's teams. I think teams giving him more attention is definitely going to be a factor. I think that's some of it. Um, yeah, it's just. Yeah, I think it's just the ups and flows of the season. I mean, he was playing at such a high pace. Uh, you know, and this happens to every good player, and this is something that that every young player has to learn too. Is that you you, you make the league. Then you find some success. Then you discover how hard it is because every night there's no let off. Like even even weaker teams, the players are tough. They're good. They know how to play defense. You know it's it's a the the variation between you know the sort of best not the elite but the best of the you know the best of the most players in the NHL and the the bottom of most players in the NHL is not that far apart. And those guys are there because. They, they know how to keep up and if you can't keep up you're out of the league and there's lots of you know we can think of lots of players that have come and gone um, for that reason so I, I would say more than anything I, I'd say it's just I, I think I don't think he's hurt I think it's just a fact of yeah these games are gonna happen I, I he, yeah he's the funny thing was it's funny we mentioned that Colorado game because it it was such a a, it was such an, in the end, a crazy night. It didn't feel like it was going to be a crazy night for most of the night. And then the third period happened. Yeah. The Canucks had their comeback. And then you sat back and you realized that Pedersen had five points. And it wasn't like I... Maybe it was because I've seen, quote, unquote, so much now. But um, it didn't hit me that he'd had five points. It didn't, it didn't feel like a five-point game. But, of course... He 's one of the key guys he was in around the puck he just he did what you're used to him doing, which is that he produces and he's around the puck and he's got the scoring chances um, I'm trying to think of the was it was it against uh, the Islanders when he had the turnover and had the chance down low and I think that was that that yeah. game and you know I mean that's an example of, of that shot most of the time is going to go in. But then again, he's also been shooting, what, 35%? Like, some of these shots are not going to go in. He's clearly an elite shooter. He's the kind of guy that's going to be able to maintain a high shooting percentage. But let's remember, a high shooting percentage is like 17%, 15%. Like, he, he's had everything go into this point. Now it becomes about how does he, um, you know, what you know, how does he carry on? Does you know, undoubtedly he's had runs like this in the past. Like he played a full season professionally last year uh with 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 Vaxo. Like like he he figured out what it was like as a professional, you know, he figured out what it was like to play against men. And so now it's gonna be no, he's gonna stick with it. Like he I uh, I'm sure if we were to ask him, say, Are you bothered by it, he'll say no. You go, he'll just like I I want my team to win. I, of course, I like scoring goals, but the win is more important. I mean, that's kind of become a bit of a... His- kind of his cliche but that's how he is
0: yeah. yeah although you can say they've lost the last three games and he hasn't got any points so. well, exactly and you know
1: and you might say well yeah you're right but I mean he would also probably I mean he would have some interesting philosophical take on yeah. that and I, I look forward to talking about it on Saturday night I, I, I
0: do think that these are the trials of the NHL season you know compared to playing in other leagues whether it's the travel the physical nature of the league mm-hmm. um, I mean and I think that that's the leap that Brock Besser faced last year yes. as well because I think US college hockey is the same if you don't this isn't a this isn't any sort of a uh, you know, a a prejudice statement, but if you're not playing in the Canadian junior hockey on the bus, the volume of games you play facing the the real tough nose nature of like in the WHL, I think that leap to the NHL from those other avenues are are hard. So let's talk about Besser a little bit, Mm -hmm. obviously lingering injury issue from last year, perhaps some people had suggested that he bulked up too much with muscle because of the back injury and that that's why he didn't Mm -hmm. quite look the same. What's your concern level with Brock Besser? And, again, we have a cliche called the sophomore slump, Patrick, yeah. because it's true. Yeah. It happens in every sport. You have success as a rookie. Yeah. You're going to face a little bit of a challenge in the second yeah, year. Yeah,
1: just as you mentioned, the the schedule thing, because he and I actually talked about that at the beginning of the season. I, I, you know, before the season started, I sort of said, what was something you learned as a rookie? I asked him and a couple other players. And and he actually had an interesting answer, which is he talked about, first of all, the, the nine games that he played at the end of um, – uh, of the season two years ago, uh, that that first dose when he came in and he scored and everyone was was thrilled and then and then he also talked about last year, the nine games he said you come in and you're just like blown away by how fast it is because these are the best players in the world. Um, he said that was that was the first thing and and the, the the second thing was last year was yes exactly that the grind the long the road trips the fact that you're you know you're playing every other night the way you, the challenge of maintaining yourself physically and, and being able to produce at a high level and learning how to kind of manage your energy and all that kind of stuff. He talked about that, which wasn't a new statement. We've heard that before. Um, and you know, and the, the dub is a great example. I mean, the, the schedule in the dub is not what it used to be. They don't go on as many trips as they used to. They don't play all as many midweek games as they used to, but they still get a taste of it. And so a, a guy like Jake for 10 and definitely had a closer experience with that than, than Besser was for sure. Uh, in terms of his injury, I think, I, I think I think it's something. It is important to remember how how significant that injury that 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 back injury he suffered was last year. Um, it, it was it was a, a, a obviously a, in a very delicate area, you know, in in the spinal area. Um, he had to take a bunch of time off from training. It was literally one of those ones where where rest was how he was going to heal. So he, you know, he, he was behind in his training. It wasn't until August that he was really able able to properly do anything, but with the way players are now, I mean, you, you know, from soccer, how insane they, their, their off season barely exists because they come back into preseason their the preseason takes forever. Well, I mean, essentially hockey's become that except the teams don't organize the preseason, the players do it themselves. And so he missed, you know, a whole bunch of his off season training, um, and so that's a factor. Um, you know, I think the Canucks,
0: I, but I, now he's injured again. He's so, injured. Well, I was going to so say, he's gonna come but, back and get up to speed. Yeah. And
1: I was going to say, but I, but I, what I was going to say was that the injury he's dealing with is an adductor injury, which is, you know, connected to the groin and is connected to your back. Like all that stuff's tied in. So is it possible that, that, you know, he maybe pushed himself too hard, uh, coming back, that he was trying to do too much, that he should have, I mean, that he wouldn't be the first player that would, you know, I'm not saying he said this, but he wouldn't be the first player to have admitted that, you know what, I didn't realize how much more I needed to do before I tried to come back. And so now it is going to be a problem because that isn't – it's it's in his skating. I mean, those are your key skating muscles. And so him coming back is going to be a challenge. And, uh, you know, th- th- it was clear to me, like I said, uh, when I talked to Jim Benning the other day, it was clear to me how much that's weighing on them because they, they – he brought it up. He said, we need to get Brock right. We need to make sure that he's – He's back to where he is because they know how important he is to the future of this team because, you know, he, he, he's a, a, a top end score. He's a top end sniper and, you know, they've got another one in Patterson. That, that takes them a long way towards figuring out what this team's going to be in the future.
0: You know, I'm often fascinated by so many psychological aspects of sport and, yeah. You have a guy like Besser who comes into a really moribund franchise. Yeah. And the fans just see him as the savior yeah. and he's set the table for yeah. himself. And you would think of the pressure to replicate that or build on it this year. Mm-hmm. And then Pedersen comes yeah. along and in many ways you can say has taken the pressure off Besser because fans have a shiny new toy that they can get excited about. But it, it takes some of the spotlight away from the fact that may- he's not producing at the same levels as last year. But do you think there's a little bit of competition there? Where he's like, oh, that was me last year. I'd like to get back to that level of, of, I mean, let's, he was the MVP in the All-Star game as a rookie. Like, we forget that now. He was, he
1: was definitely feeling, I think he was definitely feeling pressure on himself, uh, that he put on himself in terms of, you know, he, he, he's paid to score. He knows that, you know, the, the, you know, it's, it's true at, at, at any level of any sport, uh, you know, the, the players know themselves who's good, who's good at doing what. Uh, you know, you, you look at the, you look at a high school soccer team. The kids know who the best players are and who the lesser players are. And, uh, you look at, you know, you you look at this Vancouver Canucks team. They know that Brock Besser is one of their key scorers. So, and he knows that. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely weighing on him the fact that he was struggling to score. Um, you know, you could tell that he was a step behind and that was a lot of it. I'm sure had to do with, like I said, the late, recovery in the offseason so yeah i mean i i think you know you, you never you know i mean you never you never assume that a player is so you know going over the top saying i have to be better than Patterson. but yeah you're right i mean i think that's a totally fair observation that a player like him is going to say listen i want to i want to perform i need to perform as well as that guy because that's what he's used to doing there's, you know it's pride i don't think that's a i
0: don't think that's a bad thing i think that's an internal positive and internal motivator couple of other players I wanted to ask you about one of course is Jake for mm-hmm. Now now um, I've been greatly amused as I think most people have with the whole shotgun Jake yes. uh, phenomenon and, and the fact that he's aware of it yeah. just kills me because you can just imagine when he scores a goal when he goes back to the bench what his teammates are yeah. saying right
1: oh well yeah you should hear what they yell when he comes into the dressing room they're yelling, yeah. yelling about it so. yeah
0: so <laughs> so this this to me is what's fun about sports I remember following the Canucks in the 80s and you know this tough guy Tiger Williams had this landmark season where he scores mm-hmm. 35 goals, right. but the thing was, even if Ride the team the was yeah, well that's it. Even if the team wasn't winning, you wanted to see Tiger score right. to see his celebration. Yes, and that's kind of what it's turned into with Jake no. Vertanen. Like they didn't win the other night, no. but Vertanen People scored it and fought. it allowed the fans to have some fun. Yeah. Is this just, I don't want to call him a late bloomer because he's still a really young prospect, but it'd been sort of like, this guy's a bust. Are they going to get rid of him? Are they showcasing him? Are they putting him in the Cody Hodgson offensive chance? Yeah. (laughs) Like, explain Jake Vertanen's start to the season and where you see it going from here. You
1: know, it's been interesting. For Tannen, Tannen has always been the bigger kid you know he had a lot of success in junior hockey because he was the he was bigger than his peers he was a better skater than his peers you you watched it a lot of the goals he scored which were goals that found him separating himself from the defense um he's a guy that that has uh a goal scorers ins- instinct i would say in terms of and he has a goal scores shot um coming into the nhl has been uh obviously a challenge and and it's a it's a it's a league where as i said before everybody 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 has a sense on how to stop you you know there there are no there are no weak links defensively because weak links weak links defensively disappear and um you know everybody can skate you know you're 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 at the top of the pyramid now and everybody stays there because they're able to maintain whatever it is you need to keep up so for Verten coming into the league all of a sudden he's dealing with a peer group that's the best he's ever faced and most of them are at least as good as him and um you know i i it was it it, it was a progress i mean he always had. there were lots of little things he did well we we you know those of us that look at the numbers always noted that generally when the when Vertanen was on the ice the puck was at the right end of the ice it was in the offensive zone he he was a player that for whatever reason he had some influence defensively that he was able to limit shots against and then he was able to get the puck to the other end of the ice some of that may have been just his natural instinct that he's a puck carrier he goes and gets the puck he's strong there were clearly things he was doing well the scoring part um, had been a struggle and as I said his general way of scoring is a is a type of goal that doesn't exist as much in the NHL that you're not going to be able to sneak behind the defense you're not going to be able to just simply skate around a defenseman um, because you're 18 and the other guy's 16 or 17 that just doesn't happen but what we've seen this year is um, is a couple of things first of all he scored a goal that power play goal he scored the other night was right on top of the crease and it was it was a it was a reasonably greasy goal um, it was the kind of goal that we haven't seen a lot of from him because I think generally he's never had to do that it hasn't been necessarily wired into him but you you know you, you know that this is something that will have been pointed out to him and that you know he's clearly trying to go to those areas more um and then yeah he's had some good looks he's had some nice shots he's not his instinct and he admitted it in in uh, in in training camp when I was asking about a roller hockey story of all things, but he, you know, he, he, he knows his kind of favorite thing is the, he loves skating down the wing. He loves skating down the wing. He loves firing off the wing and he's still doing that. But, um, Travis Green's approach clearly with the Canucks is to try to get more shots. If they're going to take shots, he doesn't want shots, just aimless shots from the outside. He wants shots that are that are closer to the net, that are in the slot, that are from the face-off dots. And if it's not there, cycle behind the net, put the puck into the slot, maybe somebody can skate onto it. And Vertanen has had a couple opportunist goals, I would say. You know, I mean, there was the goal against Chicago where there was the the turnover at the Canucks blue line and he was Because he, you know, they're basically because he was caught out of the play, and he wasn't happy to be caught out of the play. He admitted, but he was in the spot, and he got a breakaway, and he he made no mistake. Um, I I, he he's doing, he clearly is recognizing that there's a way to do something every time you're on the ice. And that doesn't mean it has to be noticeable or bigger or whatever, but he's having success. He's found a pattern of success and he's sticking with it. And I, and it's, you know, it, it it's, I, I think he also feels less pressure. I think the fact that he, he's enjoying, I, I, there's no doubt he enjoys the shotgun Jake element of it. He, he's a guy that likes having fun. And, um, you know, I think about that 7-6 game when we all came, you know, after the game, we all come into the dressing room and, you know, it's kind of the, there's kind of the, the, the the you know, reporters and cameras, we all generally kind of move as a group and we go here, we go there because, you know, we want to talk, whatever. But, you know, there was this big scrum around Pedersen and I kind of looked at it and I said, you know what, I can hear all these answers later. And I looked down and there's Jake ten sitting there and he looked up at me and he kind of had this wild eye look on his face. And I looked down at it, and I said... How about that? And he, and he just said, that was insane. And then we had, and I, we just started talking about the game. And, and, you know, I, it, it, it it's, it, it's a ride he's enjoying. I think he's, he's, he's found a, he's found his group. I think maybe, maybe he had to grow up. You know, like I said, he's 22. Um, you know, being 22, 23 is a big difference between 18, 19. And, uh, you know, he seems to have found his groove. He's have, like I said, he's having some success and, uh, you know, it, it's great to see. He's got what, eight goals? I mean, is he going to score 30 goals? I don't think so. I mean, he's, he's had some opportunity, some fortune to those goals, but he's producing. He's, he's, he, he clearly was always going to be an NHL player. Um, I think the question was whether he was going to be a consistent NHL scorer. He seems to be fine, finding more goals. I mean, maybe some of the story and we, this isn't, we haven't talked about it much is, is the way the goalies are being forced to change the way they play. He's got a few more holes to shoot at.
0: Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's having success and it's, you know, it's, it's a neat thing to watch. Okay. Last subject. Cause I know we both have things to do today. You're doing a big, working on a big Canucks at the quarter pole piece that will be out over the weekend. But, um, Bo Horvat, I, I I feel that he hasn't gotten his due in these conversations because we've been so obsessed about the elite and talent and he's been here for a while. And now you Mm -hmm. can, we can talk about the leadership stuff and you know, how he stepped into the void of the Sedins, et cetera, et cetera. But. You start to look at multiple point games. You know, I think people might have framed in their mind that Horvat was going to be a Trevor Linden type. Right. Solid, great defensively, mm-hmm. good leader, teammates look mm-hmm. up to him, always get an honest effort and chip him with some modest numbers. Yeah. Yeah. But are we seeing a little bit of a leap in terms of Horvat's offensive c- uh, capabilities? I think. Like does he have more in him? I guess is my question. I
1: think what we're seeing is is well, it's it's a couple things. I think it is the Pedersen influence. I think that helps. The fact that I mean, we forget. I mean, it's funny because we forget. It's almost like we forget the Sedin's were there, and the Sedin's drew so much attention. Horvat drew so much attention. I think, I think the Canucks are. I was talking about with Harrison Mooney about it the other day, and it wasn't that the Canucks are. We, you didn't want to say the Canucks are better off with the Sedin's, but losing Sedin's changed the way they had to understand themselves. And this is a team, and we, it's a reason why people talk about they're quicker. as As a as a group concept, they're playing a higher sort of a a higher tempo game. They're not, like I said, they're not shooting as much. They're actually, in terms of the shot battle, consistently losing the shot battle. Um, but there's sort of interesting things inside that that help tell the story. But a guy like Horvat, who's such a good, powerful skater, who who is best on the rush, um, I, I I would say the Canucks are better designed for what his game is. Um, and and yeah, he's been getting results. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I did a piece on the road trip about his faceoffs, and it was a bit of speculative because we were still early in the season, and so I kind of rolled the dice a little bit, you know, hoping that saying, listen, he's done well through eight games or whatever it was at that point. We'll see if this carries on. And it has I I keep I have literally the Canucks face off stuff open on my computer and I check it every day. And Bo Horvat is having an exceptional year facing um in the face offs and and on draws against right-handed shots. You know, it's little things like this. I mean face-offs aren't everything because there's lots that happens after them
0: but or, it, are we allowed to use the term little things or is that trademark to another podcast
1: trademark sorry i should say subtle things is what we which is what he actually said but anyway um <laughs> and you're no, not yelling enough either no i know i'm sorry <laughs> anyway but uh no it, it, what i was gonna say but but it, it, there's a collection of of things that horvat has done that we're seeing you know that he's getting results and and as i said that i think the team's structure is built better the fact that i mean i think the fact that defensemen are being challenged to be more aggressive to 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 sort of be a, a reinforcing offensive influence i think that's that's helped i mean everything every little bit has helped every one of these players it's a bit of a uh you know greater than the sum of the parts situation and that you know like i said some of some of their results as a whole are maybe down to luck but they're keeping things close and they're keeping things close enough that bounces matter and bounces help you out. And, and, and I, and Horvat, I mean, Horvat is playing really well. He's doing lots of things really well. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I think it's definitely a case of, yeah, he's, he's emerging. Is he taking to the next level? I mean, this is, maybe this is the level he always is at. And we're just noticing now, because like I said, the Sedins aren't here. He's the guy. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been an excellent season for him so far. And, and, uh, he, yeah, it's going to continue to be
0: fun well that's great stuff Patrick I know we've got we could go on for another yeah. hour or two I mean we didn't even talk about the blue line or the goaltending which are certainly issues but we are going to aim to bring these to you uh, at least twice a week folks so so continue to listen download it on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating uh, It's the White Towel Podcast with uh, Patrick Johnson and we will be back to talk hockey early next week